want to welcome you back this evening and appreciate you being here and coming back out as we continue on our journey with John. Uh, we are tonight going to be on uh, the fourth of eight of the I Am statements in John. And there's a little bit of, uh, I don't know, some say eight, some say seven, and it all comes down to what we talked about last week, which was before Abraham was, I am. He doesn't really say, I am this or that. He says, before Abraham was, I am. So some people consider it eight, some people consider it seven. Uh, but the point is, Jesus is using that Greek phrase, ego and me. Which is saying, I, even I, am the, this is my purest essence, my purest being. And uh, I know that you very likely remember uh, the I am statements that we've covered uh, so far. Uh, Charles uh, knows the first one. Yeah, yeah, right. I am the bread of life. Exactly. Good job, Charles. And uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, Ken, Ken, he knows. He knows what the next one is. That he should know. I mean, it's John eight twelve. It's the, the verses here. That's, yeah, that's exactly a light of life. That's exactly right. And then before Abraham was, I am. We talked about that one. Tonight, we're going to get one of the more interesting pictures of Jesus. And it is the I am, and it depends on which translation you, you use. I am the gate or I am the door. But, but they're talking about the same thing. Now, when Jesus, as we talked about before in the I am statements, when he talks about he is something, he's talking about his essence. So it's a metaphor, not to be taken literally, so we understand, just so you know, that when Jesus says I am the door, he's not saying he's six foot tall and 36 inches wide. Man, that joke did not land like I hoped so. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Jesus is not saying that to be literal. He's giving us a picture of his essence here. He's helping us to understand who he is and uh, what he is to us. So we're, we're going to cover all of these I am statements within the book of John because John evidently felt it very important that he gives us these pictures of Jesus, and I think it uh, helps us, hopefully, in our relationship with him. Now, tonight's picture, I said, could be I am the door, or it could be I am the gate. Uh, the reason is, because as we, as we look at the picture, uh, we're in John chapter 10. If you're, if you're not already there, uh, John chapter 10 is where we're going to be in just a moment. And in John chapter 10, he's talking about something that I presume most you and I are not at all familiar with. Uh, the first century uh, rancher, uh, sheep herder, uh, the first century uh, rancher, sheep herder, shepherd, um, the, the different definitions, they had a different kind of way of doing it. As an example, uh, modern sheep herders, and well, not modern, but the sheep herders that tend to be from the Western Hemisphere tend to lead their sheep herders herds from beside or behind um, Eastern shepherds lead uh, from front, which makes more sense to me. But that requires that the sheep follow. So that, that song that Carl just led, where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him, with him all the way. It's a very biblical one, and it's a very um, shepherding one. Now, we know John chapter 10 says, talks about the good shepherd. This is kind of a two-part sheep-shepherd series. Because when we, Jesus talks about being the gate and the door, he's talking about a part of the, the lifestyle of the sheep that they went into, the sheep pen. And that was a, a structure. It's 
available and noticeable even in modern days. It just had one gate. There was one way in and one way out. And a lot of times it was the shepherd himself who would guard the gate or who would, who would sit inside the gate, sometimes sleeping there overnight to guard the sheep, to protect them. So tonight we're going to talk about Jesus being the gate or the door. And then next week we're going to talk about him being the good shepherd. Okay, so this is sort of a two-part sermon series. And in my mind, I thought we could put it into one. And I knew that you, you would just be thrilled to sit here for an hour and a half. So, but um, we're going to break it up into two so that it's a little easier. John 10, verses uh, 1 through 10 is where we're going to read tonight. If you're opening up there, I will be reading from the English Standard Version. And uh, I usually use that or the NIV, but um, the uh, English Standard Version uses the phrase, the door. And so um, we'll be using that. If you have the NIV, it probably will say gate. But that's okay. Truly, truly, I say unto you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was trying to say to them. Verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Now, when we think about uh, probably this pretty well-known section of Scripture, these, these verses, what we may not know is that Jesus here is, we've been on this journey, and it's sort of been back and forth between Jesus and the Pharisees. Uh, and, and as he gains notoriety, as the crowds get bigger and, and there's uh, some notoriety with Jesus, uh, he gets a bigger target on him. And so it gets to the point where he'll even heal a blind man and forgetting the fact and ignoring completely this amazing miracle that, they, that Jesus has done that they cannot explain. They wanted to, to make a whole issue out of it because Jesus may have done it on the wrong day. And they didn't know who Jesus was or how he did these things. Worse than not even knowing, they said, you know, this guy is a false teacher. So it's kind of been back and forth. And, and what Jesus does here in Exodus or in, uh, in John is without quoting book, chapter, verse, he references a prophecy, a prophecy from Ezekiel. Um, and I know you guys are huge Ezekiel fans, so I probably don't even have to go there and read it to you. But I'll go ahead and do that. You can turn to Ezekiel chapter 34. In Ezekiel chapter 34, God is speaking uh, to the prophet Ezekiel. And he's, he's, offering, he, he, he's really calling out the leadership. 
Now, he's using the term shepherds here. Uh, sometimes I'll use that in referring to our elders because it, you know, it's a biblical term and it helps us understand their responsibility. It's more than just, you know, sort of Supreme Court justices with lifetime appointments or, or, uh, um, um, board of directors or something like that. It, there's a shepherding role here. They know the sheep. The sheep know their voice. They care for the sheep. There, there's a, as a, a more meaningful relationship and that th- is there between the shepherd and the sheep. Now, this is, was not just true, isn't just true in the New Testament church. It was also true of Israel. And in Israel's journey, those who were the shepherds, again, not literal shepherds here, but the, the, the spiritual leaders of what was supposed to be his people had abdicated their responsibility. They let it go. They began thinking only of themselves, and instead of becoming uh, uh, all about serving the sheep, they became all about serving themselves. So Exodus chapter 30, um, Ezekiel chapter 34 says this, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals. But you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened up the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. And my sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched for them or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared only for themselves rather than for my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds. I will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. This is a fascinating prophecy and, and that would eventually shown, shown out to be plain, shown to be true. But what's happening in John is he's referencing this prophecy in Ezekiel 34. And they don't even, the, the, the teachers, get this, the teachers and the, the, the leaders of Israel, the shepherds, if you will, didn't even recognize that he was calling them out. He, he's tremendously saying to them, listen to me, you're not the shepherds that care for the sheep. The sheep don't even know your voice. You're a stranger to them. John has has emphasized this contrast between the, the, the loving shepherd, the good shepherd. And, and how he did that was by doing the things a good shepherd does. He taught with authority. He held them, uh, he healed the unhealable. He forgave the unforgivable. 
He, he paid attention to the neglected. He fed the hungry. Jesus did the things which the shepherd should have been doing. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law weren't doing those things. Even worse, that they didn't believe in the true shepherd. They accused Jesus. Um, Jesus was a provider. Uh, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees were they weren't they were predators, as Jesus alludes to. Now, I don't mean to get off too much into the shepherding part of that because but I need to kind of set up this foundation so we understand what Jesus is talking about in John chapter ten. Okay, so now we want to focus back on the the scripture from John ten, one and ten. And and this last part of it, verses seven through a ten. Therefore Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, I am the door for the sheep. Verse eight All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the door. He who ever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and come out and find pasture, but the thief comes only to steal, only to kill, only to destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Now understand here, he's saying all of this, not about being a shepherd right at the the moment. He's talking about being the gate. He's talking about being the door. Which to me doesn't seem terribly like an awe-inspiring metaphor, if we're just quite honest about it. I never looked at the door and thought, there's a sermon right there. You know, it's not really a picture. I never looked at a gate to to an animal pen and thought, that will preach. But what Jesus is saying here is that the role of the gate in that, um, the, the pen in which they were kept was so important to the life of the sheep, to the blessing of the sheep, to the protection of the sheep. Why would that shepherd want it? Because he loved the sheep. As he wanted to put them in a pen to protect them from what might do them harm. He wanted to put them in a place where he could feed for them and provide for them and know where they all were. And it was only in the pen and it was only through the gate that allowed that to happen. So what Jesus is here is saying is, is, is um, much, uh, sometimes we kind of just pass over it. So we'll start with, uh, uh, make a few points and, and then we'll be done. Uh, first is, the door is the beginning. It's the starting point. It's the place of entry. And Jesus says, I am the door. It, it starts there. You, 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 we're going to talk about Jesus being the shepherd. But before you can follow the shepherd, you have to be a part of the, the, the flock. You have to be a part of the group that's following and seeking the shepherd. The door, by the way, he said, I am the door. He didn't say, I am a door. He didn't say, I am a way, which is super popular in culture today, and we have to pay attention to that. Jesus, I mean, it's binary with Jesus. That's that's what I absolutely love about it. Christianity can be very, very simple, because either Jesus was everything he said he was, or he was a fraud and a charlatan. At best. So he is the way. That was his exclusive claim. You only come through me. You only enter by one gate. Uh, first century sheep pens. I did a little 
probably more research than I should have on first century sheep pens. But most modern century, modern century, 21st century sheep pens have this as well. They have one entrance. They have one way of entry. And you'll see a few on here, uh, here and there that have more than one entry. But the, the point is they all enter the same way and they all go out to the pasture by the same entrance. Remember that Jesus is going to kind of allude to this again just four chapters later. He's going to say in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the only way. He is the sole means of approaching the Father. It's not politically correct, but it is true. He is the only way. And so when we understand what he's talking about in John 10 about I am the gate, I am the door, there is no getting into the safety of the flock or, or the configuration of the pen without going through the gate. And it was just one. Every other way of entering the sheep pen, by the way, could be done. I mean, there were other ways into it. For example, if you, if you wanted to, to steal some sheep, uh, you say there was a, a shepherd who was doing quite well. You thought, man, he's got, he's got a, looks like one of those 1% shepherds. We ought to go take and, and redistribute some of his sheep. I'll be the person to do that. I'll go and steal some of his sheep. Well, how would you do that? Because the, the, the gate was guarded. There was a person in it, either a, a hired hand or a shepherd himself. Well, how you do that is very simple. You'd sneak up to the, to the pen at the backside, and as quietly as you could, you would get over the wall, and then you have just a small problem. You have sheep that don't know you, and uh, they're not going to go willingly with you over the wall. So what do you have to do? And, of course, they would, because they didn't care about the sheep. They only cared about what the sheep had, the wool, the meat. Okay? There, there was... There was no care or concern for the sheep. There are other ways in, but the, the only person that truly had, had the best in, instincts or the best interests of the sheep at heart was the one who entered through the gate. Everybody else who entered by any other means did not care for the sheep at all. They only wanted what the sheep could provide. Okay, second is that the door is a blessing. Jesus says they will come in and go out and find pasture. Now, in some way, you would think, well, a pen, that's awful restrictive. I and mean, Peter would hate this, you know, just she was supposed to be free range sheep. And Shepard understood, of course, that as sheep went out into the pasture, you know, they got exercise and they got, you know, fresher grass and all of that. But also they lacked one thing out there. They lacked protection was the main thing. And there was the, always the option of some, someone straying or wandering, getting lost. And then that created a whole ordeal. So the pen was where they were safest and most secure, but the pasture was where they could go and find nutrition and they could get exercise and and be nourished and they would be healthier. So you needed both the pen and the pasture, and the only way to make that happen was to have a gate that could be used at one time or another. Within within the sheep pen, I want you to imagine for a second, just go ahead and, and, and close your eyes. Some of you are ahead on that. Um, as you imagine, stop imagining yourself as a person for just a minute. Okay? Just imagine yourself as a uh, slightly chubby animal with fur all over that occasionally goes, bah. 
Now, now you're in this pen with all the other sheep. And some of you are not imagining very well. You're just looking at me, which I don't look like a sheep. I got the chubby part right, but not the fur. The, um, the, you're in the sheep pen with the other sheep. You have protection there. Um, whoever comes through the gate, when you hear the, the creaking of the gate, or, or when you see the, the person move, you know that the person coming through that gate is bringing nutrition, provision, protection, and is going to provide you safety. And sometimes, when it's sheep recess time, or however they did that, uh, he'd open the gate and he'd call you, Come! And, and all of you would just get excited and rush toward the gate and rush out, and there was freedom in the pasture. And that's where you would find the rest and the still waters. Now, sometimes at night when it got really dark and you could maybe only see by the light of the moon, and everyone was sleeping, you'd hear something. You'd hear someone climbing over the wall and trying to get into the gate, trying to get into the pen, but not by means of, of the door. Trying to come in another way. You know that who or whatever that is, they don't mean good for you. Thieves or robbers, and you can open your eyes now, not much of the sermon left. Whoever comes in by any other way, thieves or robbers, be they men or be they beast, have no authority, no right, no ownership. They don't care for the sheep. They only seek to hurt the sheep. From a shepherd's perspective, the thing that the shepherd most wants is the sheep accounted for within the pen, safe and secure. And so so that they can do what there? So that they can rest. Not just sleeping, but, but you understand that sheep, after a while, figure out that once I'm in this place, I'm, I'm, the odds are pretty good that I'm going to be okay. And so this, the sheep are less stressed. They work better. They, they are, are uh, have less anxiety. They're more at peace. Now, as you think about that, think about what Jesus, remember what he said, uh, not in, in John, but in Matthew. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The most wonderful thing is understanding that God's restrictions on you are not meant to hurt you. They are meant to keep you safe and accounted for and loved and provided for. They are meant to keep you in the very best place and so that you can be a place where you will have rest for your soul. So it's very important that we understand that that gate, sometimes it keeps us from going out and having the freedom that we want. But from the shepherd's perspective, it keeps us from going out into the places where we're Subject to the most harm. And that leads us to the third and final point. The door is a boundary. It's a beginning. It's a blessing. It's a boundary. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I have come that they might have life and that they have it to the full. The gate allows the right amount of balance between provision and protection. Freedom and protection. As a parent, this is something that is so, so difficult. Uh, on one extreme, you know, there, there's the helicopter parents. I mean, these, 
if these were shepherds, they would never let the sheep leave the pen. They always stay right there within the environment that they control. And that works for a while, but at some point, those little sheep got to go out and find pasture. And then there's other parents. That these They're pasture parents, you know, free-range parents. They just want to let their go ahead, you know, uh, see you in a few days. Uh, you know, that, that neither of those two, two extremes are healthy. Well, as a shepherd, we need to understand that um, the shepherd has responsibilities to give you both as well. From God's perspective, must be a million-fold times um, that level of decision. Because we all have free will. He's given you that. You can go off and live whatever kind of life you wanted. But he knows there's a lot of danger out there. There's a lot of uh, wolves that are ready to do you harm. The gate keeps the sheep in balance, keeps them protected when they most need it, gives them freedom when they ought to have it. It should keep out the thief who would seek to do them harm. So let me ask you, from, the, from a sheep's perspective, has the shepherd told you no recently? It's not fun. You know, you, you sort of baa and bleat and baa and bleat, and he doesn't let you go out to pasture. And I don't, I'm not sure what that is for you, but he keeps the gate closed again and again and again. Maybe it was a job you wanted. Maybe it was a friendship that you'd hoped for. Maybe it was a relationship that didn't work out. But you have to trust in that moment that the shepherd has your best interest in mind. And when he says no, and by the way, I'm talking about the good shepherd, not, not our shepherds here, but um, I guess maybe that may happen from time to time. Maybe you have to, to make some calls and say some things that are hard. But in general, if you have good shepherds, and I, you do have truly one, um, in heaven, if they love you, sometimes they'll say things to no, say no to things that will ultimately not be in your best interest. So, if God said no to you lately, I hope that you, instead of complaining and grumbling and being mad at God, maybe, maybe some of the best gifts that God ever gives are the unanswered prayers, the no's, the time when He keeps the gate closed. There's blessing within the boundary. There's blessing outside of the boundary. And the difference between the two is up to the will of the shepherd. May we trust him more and more. We're going to talk about him at greater length next week. Tonight, I want to invite you, if you have not begun the journey with the shepherd, I want to invite you to begin that journey tonight. And Jesus said, I am the door. You can't enter any other way. I mean, you can, but it doesn't really count. You don't have... Uh, the authority or the right to do so. No, instead you need to enter by the gate or the door. The only way, as Jesus said, to and into God's blessing is to be in God's fold. And the only way to do that is to come through Christ. So, if you have not done that tonight, or if you have, um, shall we say, wandered out of the pen, and you're ready to come back, you need some prayers and courage, or maybe you need to repent Uh, and just come back and find rest. Well, we're glad to help you do that. Whatever the need might be, I'm going to ask you to come. I'll meet you down front. As together, we stand and sing.